Welcome to a new episode on shark stories. It's a bit different to what we normally used to and what we associate with shark attacks. We normally associate uh, shark accidents with screaming, possibly blood in the water, people running out of the water, so happening in shallow waters. But this particular incident um, happened actually very, very deep down. It happened in the 1970s, but the image of sharks uh, savagely attacking his diving partner, dragging him to the hazy depths of the Caribbean, is still still very vivid to Brett Gilliam. And this is the, the person that, I suppose it was the only eyewitness at the time, correct, Sarah? Yes. I'm very excited once again to be joined by our co-host, Dr. Sarah Adriotti. Yes, uh, we, there is a lot to unpack about this, uh, this story. And it's interesting, yeah, it, there is, let's say there is a lot to unpack. Let's go into it. Perfect. So this is the story and it was written, so a lot of the what I'm explaining now is written by the, the protagonist, that, yeah. Yes, the but, but also the only person witness. that actually saw the witness, yeah. the only person that actually saw what was actually happening. And um, effectively, there were three deep divers and they were research divers. And they were very experienced divers. And the depth that they were going to operate on, and they'd done this before on numerous occasions, was at around 64 meters, 210 feet. And the area which a lot of us would really want to dive in was, was the Caribbean, um, described the Virgin Islands. So they did all their necessary planning. As you know, when you're diving to that depth, you have to do your decompression stops at certain levels. So it's not something that you can dive to 64 meters and expect to, to come back straight up to the surface your downtime at that type of depth would be quite short and then you need to spend quite a lot of time at different levels as you go up. So very important is to notice the depth that they went to in the staff. They went to 64 meters and they collected their uh, samples and they were finished their, um, they were they were starting to finish what the, the experiments that they were doing, but they'd noticed two oceanic white tip sharks. So the o- oceanic white tip shark is is a shark we haven't spoken about a lot, but in a previous episode, it was one of the main species that were involved in Indianapolis. And uh, Sarah, I just wanted to ask you at this point about the oceanic white tip. What makes the shark dangerous? Because it is actually in the top four um, well, shark I think, species. I think a lot has to do with this Indianapolis accident that brought the oceanic white tip into everybody's mind. Uh, there were also the species that they found in that documentary from 1970 called Blue Water White Death. They came to South Africa looking for white shark and they've been uh, pairing with the whaling uh, next to Durban that they were still doing. And as a whale got killed, oceanic white tip rocked up. And they and I thought it's fascinating because I've never seen them in South Africa. They see them elsewhere in the world, but um, I know they're here, but I've never seen them. And indeed, also in that story in the Caribbean, the guy said, I remember thinking how strange it was to see pelagic oceanic white tip right here on the um, on, on that area. It was kind of like walking off your back porch and seeing an African lion where you expect a helicat. Oh, okay, so, so it was they unusual. also didn't expect okay. to see these animals uh, right there on that dive. So uh, is it a big shark? 
They can be big. Yeah, they're, they're big and they're very peculiar. They have this round dorsal fin with this um, white pattern on top. And big pectoral and, and fins. And very big pectoral fin, yes. And lazy. And they're uh, curious. Curious. They're, okay. They get this... I saw footage of divers uh, in the water with them that they were wearing white gloves and they were moving erratically. And this oceanic white tip really getting more and more curious about them. Okay. Mike Ratzen, I've been diving with them as well. And he's going to be a guest in our one of our next shows. So I think we should ask him about his experience with these animals in particular as well. Yeah, definitely. Because look, I'm crazy about sharks and I, I read a lot about it. And I know in the Red Sea, these um, the, the oceanic white was involved in some shark attacks in the early 2000s. And we speak about the Indianapolis as well. But just getting back to the story. So they'd noticed and they'd seen two oceanic white tips sort of close by, but not paying them a lot of interest. Brett had mentioned that it concerned him that they weren't that interested in him. Um, <clears throat> and that's what you would expect from sharks normally when you dive. They just, you know, they, they don't really care as much as people yeah. think. They swim by. But we must also, I want to add, these guys were diving 100 meters down on air. Mm. You know how rare that is. Yeah. I mean, the deepest dive on air, I think, was recorded of just above um, 100 meters. Mm. These days, you don't go on air. You use nitrox. Yes. 100%. But we're talking about the 70s. Yes, so it was quite a long was, time ago. Yes. And this guy also had the record for the deepest dive on air. Mm. And what happened when you do this very deep dive on air is that your nitrogen narcosis um, tends to become... And a big risk. And a bigger risk, yes. And you need hours to go back up and decompress. Mm. And so, yeah. So the plan for the three divers, they were going to rendezvous, which they did. But strangely enough, Rod, who was sadly the person that that passed away in the story, um, he was going to be the last man up. But he'd also, he was over a ledge and they saw, suddenly they saw a whole lot of bubbles. So he was separated from the other two. And the, the two of them saw a whole lot of bubbles coming out, you know, more like heavy breathing through his regulator. And so uh, Brett went over the ledge to see what was going on with his dive partner, while the third uh, member of the group started ascending up and and started going through the whole procedure. And he stuck to the decompression stops, etc., to the letter. And what he saw, though, what Brett saw when he went over the edge is a 12-foot oceanic white shark had bitten into his left thigh, into uh, Rod's left tip, thigh. white tip, yes. Yes, so yeah. oceanic white tip, yeah. And it was tearing violently at his flesh, and clouds of blood mixed with bubbles, and then it, suddenly the second shark appeared. So they had seen two earlier, but the sh- second shark appeared and made a blinding strike, so obviously it came in very fast and hit, hit uh, uh, Rod Temple's calf. So Brett was grabbing temple by shoulder harness to try and pull him away from from the two sharks um and at this time rod was alive and he was also trying to beat the sharks off his lower lower body and when they were hitting them hard like that they actually the the two oceanic white tips let him uh, let um rod go but they actually just made another turn and they came hard again so uh, brett lost control he could no longer hold his 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 dive partner and he felt at the time that um, that Rod had gone limp in his arms, and because he'd lost mass, uh, lost massive amounts of blood, and we're talking now, and his depth gauge stopped reading at 325 feet, and he knew he was much much deeper than that. So the whole time while he's trying to pull 
his dive partner away from the two sharks. They kept descending, descending, descending. And he now realized suddenly that he, he was out of air. So Brett was out of air and his partner had been taken by the oceanic white tips down into the depths. I suppose this is the scary part of the story in looking, looking at the story as a whole. His strength was being sapped because um, he, had, he didn't have any air left and he forced all thoughts out and just maintained a steady kick for the surface. After what seemed like an eternity, he sneaked a look at his, at his gauge and he was 10, 10 feet, a couple of meters, three meters from the surface and he passed out. So, um, and then there must have been some air in his, in his um, buoyancy compensator which popped him to the surface and he came to and he managed to swim to the beach and there were people there that luckily there was a nurse that had worked had worked before with, with divers and understood um, nitrogen narcosis, as you said earlier, Sarah, and they got oxygen from his, uh, from his, his vehicle and they uh, airlifted him to a hospital and he actually survived. He, had, um, he was blind in one eye, which he was still at the time of his death, later on, much later in his life, and he's numb in his legs. So he's, parts of what happened stuck with him. But the rest of it, he, um, he survived. And, um, and their third dive, the dive partner thought both of them were dead. So the, the reunion, I mean, it was just so incredible that, that at least um, Brett also yeah. survived. You know, ironically, died the week you sent me the story. Oh, really? That was I about two know. weeks ago. Yeah. Because okay. I, I read that and what he was doing on air, and I thought, there's no way this guy is still alive. Mm. And then I checked, and he passed the day before. Okay. <laughs> was, okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's bad coincidence. But but first of all, Sarah, getting because um, we, we, we're talking, we're trying to unpack shark unpack, behavior. Unpack, yes. And we are talking about sharks here. But when I yes. read this story, rather than the sharks, you know, oceanic uh, white tip can go from the surface to a thousand meters down. So that range it is within their area they live in between 18 to 28 degrees um, water so they could have been there uh, but what really sounded awkward about this story is the description of the dive profile so mm. i'm not a deep dive expert but i have friends that are deep dive expert so i send them the story one is gregory norris he makes very nice 3d um, system to light up uh, underwater cameras and and Nicolene Olkers she works for then uh, Dive Alert Network and she had been in the dive industry for 30 years she had been doing deep dives both of them and they read the story and I know here I can swear right and their feedback was as bullshit mm. uh, in terms of dive profile mm. Is no way you go down on air, you fight a shark, you go up without any safety stop, you bend and you dive to shore, you swim back to shore, and there is something odd about this story. Mm. Um, I don't know what happened with the sharks. Something must have happened, that for sure. But the the story about the dive of going up without any, with running out of air. Mm. When you go up and you run out of air, the volume in your lung expand mm. as the pressure the, uh, goes lower as you go to the surface. So you can have enough air eventually to reach the surface, but the little bubbles of nitrogen in your bloodstream are going to expand mm. and pop. They pop your veins. So they, I, 
they both say they either when he told the story he got the depth wrong mm. or he some something is odd about the whole thing okay just because if you get to the surface and you bend you can't swim back to shore yeah. you are you're out mm. and in pain and and re really really out and then according to him he just went to the hospital for a couple of days mm. the next week he was diving again yeah um, so so uh, maybe they like you said there could be something wrong with the depth yes. um uh, there could be something well i mean we can't really be um, no, what, what coming up with theories because yeah. we don't understand it but in effect the the oceanic white tip or the both first the first oceanic white tip came in um and this is now if i'm picturing this um i'm sure they've got double volume air in their in their on, on the backs would they have um two tanks maybe on their backs sure but it's still not oxygen it but, is, but but uh, the point air. i was making is they're very big they they, they look big mm -hmm. so um the oceanic, oceanic white tip can be close to 4 meter so then would the behavior of the shark not have a problem with this bubbling normally animal they that do they, they tend to be skittish all sharks tend to be skittish enough unless you piss them off mm. um but what what makes me think the, the whole story because the dive itself seems like far fetched if you look at the numbers mm. makes me think that it was maybe because it happened in the 70s very few people were doing this work mm. maybe by telling the story over and over the depth became a bit bigger yes, and yeah. the shark became a bit more aggressive and okay. the story got flowered up a little. Okay, so it might not 100% be the true no. story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so then it's difficult for us to, to comment, but the the, uh, the oceanic white tip has the ability to, to do something like that. Um, the thing that for me was difficult is that it's a diver and scary. often... Yeah, it is super scary, but it's often a diver that um, the, the divers are rarely beaten actually because of yeah. the bubble, because of yes. the noise, yes, uh, because you see the shark in good visibility. Mm. So yeah, and so you've dived with bull sharks, and and if you're on scuba yeah, with bull sharks, they're quite scared. They're cool. Oh, they're cool. They're very nice. But if you bring the but if you have if a bait, a, 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 yeah, like even a bait with ball. the bait, it's, it's different. You know, it's different situation. I suppose if you go spear fishing and you keep your fish on you. The behavior of a bull shark will be different yes. than a diver, yeah. uh, where you have the bait separated from you, mm. and the shark is just coming around and you know, looking for li a little sardine. Yes. What is fascinating about these bait dives we do them in in Umkomas is that the bull sharks during the day they are very slow, like really really slow. They swim around very slowly, and the oceanic black tip instead are really fast. Mm. So if there is a sardine, that sardine coming down, the bull shark is slowly approaching, trying to chomp his little sardine, and the next moment the black tip mm. goes and steals it. You can almost see this bull shark rolling his eyes. Yeah, so it's like a Jack Russell. Um, yes. So the, the black tips are like <laughs> yes. a Jack Russell. They are all over the place. Yeah, and more like a bulldog, the, yeah. the bull shark. Yeah, 100%. but it's incredible to see them because they have all their more attached to them. and. Mm. It, it's like any big shark. It's an honor to be in the water yeah, with them. Yeah, hundred percent agreed, uh, and it, it is it is absolute honor. And but something that, like that, maybe he got you know a bite at that depth, and mm. but we also we don't know what he did to the shark. Maybe yeah. the shark came and was curious, and he was aggressive toward mm. it. We don't know that. And we don't. And Brett didn't even know that because this, the nobody, first the yes. first hit um, happened. It, it mm. was over the ledge, and nobody could see. Mm. 
So I suppose it is a difficult one, but I thought I'd use this. Um, and the reason why I brought up the story is it's quite unique yeah. in that he was at 400 feet yeah. um, when he ran out of air. <clears throat> this is the story. And and the oceanic white tips were, were involved in some way yes. in um, pulling him deeper or, or taking him away from his dive partners, whatever might have happened, and, and he died from... Yeah, from, it's very sad. From the drowning Absolutely. or from from injuries mm. sustained from the attack, so w- whichever way. So, it, uh, it, and and it's nice to highlight this is a deep water shark, yeah. And um, you don't often see oceanic white tips implicated in shark attacks unless it's off a deep ledge, etc. Yeah. I'm also very very excited to bring our next episode to you, and it's back in South Africa. You know, we've had quite a few incidents with. Um, with sharks th- through the years and through the decades. And this one is unique in the fact that it's a double attack by one shark. So we're not talking a rogue shark because it's the same shark that put two people next to each other, at which it's very interesting. So yes. we look forward to bringing that to you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Shark Stories. Shark Stories is proudly sponsored by the Shark Safe Barrier, the first uh, shark-specific and eco-friendly solution to the shark-human conflict.